Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Our real science sessions focus on connecting with the researchers, lab technicians, and industry professionals from all walks of life that make scientific discovery and innovation possible. We talk about their work, their passions, their pitfalls, why they got into science in the first place, and where the road lies ahead for them and their research. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Aaron Phillips, an assistant professor of physiology and pharmacology at the University of Calgary. His work combines integrated physiology and neuroscience in order to understand cardiovascular function in a number of preclinical and clinical models. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for the introduction and uh, the invitation to be here. I'm excited. Great. Okay. So let's jump in. First question, where did you grow up and how did your youth influence your path and passion towards science? Yeah, this is a, this is a great question. I grew up in a very rural community, actually, in Southern Ontario. It's called Grassy. It had its primary uh, sign of the of the hamlet was actually on the side of a barn. Um, that's how small it was. Um, probably the major part of my youth um, that influenced my passion towards science was um, kind of a serendipitous thing. I was in the sixth grade. I was identified as gifted. And, you know, coming from a family where no one yet had gone to university, um, this was a big thing for me. Um, so I ended up staying in this program until I was done high school and, and went off to university. And, you know, the program was fantastic. It really emphasized the importance of education. Um, it had a wonderful, uh, very interactive math and science program. And, you know, I would say that's probably a big pivot point in my life that, uh, that, that kind of led me to focus on a career that's, that's in the math and sciences. Great. That sounds like a really awesome program. Um, so you mentioned university. Where did you study for both of your degrees? Um, and why did you specifically end up choosing neuroscience? Um, yeah. So again, thanks for the question. I studied at University of Western Ontario. I think they now uh, prefer Western, but uh, University of Western Ontario in London. And I studied biosciences, health sciences, um, took a lot of math courses at the time. And then I had a, I did a PhD and two postdocs at University of British Columbia, changing um, kind of labs and in different environments at that time. Um, and, you know, I was actually going to, my original intention when I was starting my PhD was to focus on HIV research. Um, at the time, a lot of the therapies were becoming so effective that you had, you know, practically the same lifespan as someone without um, HIV. And, uh, it seemed like, you know, there were some big breakthroughs that had, had made there in kind of anti-retrovirals. And, um, I decided to shift my focus over to spinal cord injury. Um, because really I, I thought I could make an impact there. I had a friend who had a quadriplegic injury and, uh, you know, I realized the kind of autonomic un unconscious, bodily dysfunctions that were pretty devastating to him at the time. And, and not much was 
uh, effective. There were very few effective therapies. And I saw this as kind of this very open space where, where someone could make a really meaningful impact. Um, so that's kind of why I decided to shift um, during my PhD into somewhat of a new field for me. Yeah, that's definitely a little bit far off from the HIV research world. Um, so that's kind of cool. And also uh, nice to be chatting with a fellow Mustang. I also did my undergrad and my master's at Western. So Fantastic. Go Mustangs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go, go team. I was just at homecoming uh, a couple of years ago. It was just fun to uh, you know see all the old locations. Yeah, campus has changed quite yeah. a bit um, over the last yeah. couple of years, but it's uh, so usually nice to yeah. go back. Okay, so moving forward, who was or is the greatest influence on your career? I think I would probably say, you know, my uh, my family always uh, emphasized having a career that was helping people in some way and making things better, even, you know, in a small way, something that was focused on improving the world and improving the community. Um, that was definitely their slant on it. Um, I also had an, an uncle that um, was uh, married into my family, and he was a fairly famous HIV scientist. And he really emphasized um, the impact of research and the impact that that one could make in that space. Um, so I would say probably you know those two things when I one of those two groups when I reflect on it. Cool. Um, and so now since university, you've kind of moved into a really uh, incredible career and your lab at the University of Calgary, like what are you guys kind of working on at this moment? Yeah, we're working on a lot of different things. Um, I know we're going to talk about kind of the, the nature paper a little later, but Really, we're we're working off of building on that foundation of that of that paper and those findings. So that paper kind of led to a proof of concept of a new therapy for spinal cord injury, particularly cardiovascular dysfunction, and it's in one human being. And we're now expanding that into a series of clinical trials that are testing, you know, first the um, effectiveness, efficacy, safety in a wider group of patients and moving it towards the community to be, uh, you know, deployed as a widely available therapy. Um, we have a very intense um, ongoing project with uh, DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency of the U.S. military. Um, they funded our technology um, in a series of, of contracts. And, you know, it's kind of cool to work with them because they – also funded uh, the development of the internet and GPS and uh, I believe the mRNA vaccine technology that Moderna uses even. So really cool, um, very intense contracts. And we're working with them to also refine the technology a little bit more um, on the engineering side, on the software side, and even on the, um, uh, the stimulator side and the biosensing side. So really busy on that side. Um, and, you know, we're also working on a lot of uh, basic science questions still um, in the preclinical lab, um, really looking at some of the other autonomic effects of, uh, of our therapy and, and on the specific circuits and how best to harness them. 
Fantastic. And so that leads me to my next kind of question slash topic. Um, earlier this year, you published a paper in Nature. Congratulations. Um, and I would love if you could just give us like a really quick summary of the study and um, some of the kind of overarching results. Yeah, I'll give you a really quick summary. So um, spinal cord injury, big problem is very low blood pressure. It usually happens when people move upright, so orthostatic challenge. Um, so sitting up in a wheelchair, for example, in someone's spinal cord injury. We wanted to try and solve this. There's not very many effective therapies, if any. First thing we had to do was design an animal model that actually had orthostatic hypotension and low blood pressure. So we used a, a rat model and we developed a new version of a lower body negative pressure chamber, which practically means a suction chamber. And it pulls blood into the lower limbs and elicits orthostatic hypotension in rats. So now we had our model and that was absolutely fantastic. Something that hadn't existed before and really opens the door, not just for our nature paper, but hopefully a whole line of new research into orthostatic hypotension. Next, we needed to understand where we could stimulate, electrically stimulate, and even if we could electrically stimulate specific regions of the spinal cord to reawaken some of the lost sections of the spinal cord that are thought to control blood pressure. So we used a series of uh, experimental techniques, many of which are pretty cutting edge, to um, map. So we, we stimulated all the different spinal segments and we measured blood pressure during each stimulation. We also used what's called retrograde tracers. Um, these are labels that label neurons, and we injected those into key tissue in the periphery that we know controls blood pressure. And then those two pieces of data, so functional segment response, and then also what segments in the spinal cord actually were expressing neurons or, or, or con containing neurons that were linked to blood pressure tissues. Those highlighted a specific spinal segment in the, sp in the spinal cord, specific spinal region that uh, very powerfully controls blood pressure. And so these are, the, oh, these are the caudal most segments of the thoracic spinal cord, the three caudal most. And we call these the hemodynamic hotspot. That was one of the most important discoveries in the paper. It, it really identified like a topographical structure of the spinal cord in terms of blood pressure control and highlights a brand new region that houses most of the circuitry controlling blood pressure in the spinal cord. So that was critical. Then we use that information to develop a closed loop system. And closed loop system, consider it similar to the thermostat in your house. It kind of connects the um, uh, thermometer to the furnace and adjusts how intense the furnace is depending on the current temperature. This, our closed loop system does something very similar. It measures blood pressure and it in, informs a stimulator that's implanted over a hemodynamic hotspot how intense the stimulation should be to keep blood pressure stable. That was the next part we did. We, we uh, performed a lot of those experiments in, um, in, in various animal models, validated it. We actually injected the... Uh, closed loop system with some very important um, oscillations that are healthy and naturally occurring in the cardiovascular system to make sure it was what we call biomimetic. And then finally, we showed proof of concept in one human 
who had a cervical spinal cord injury, quite refractory orthostatic hypotension. And we tested most of the features of her closed loop system after he was implanted with a stimulator permanently over his hemodynamic hotspot. And that was really the key take-home finding. This individual is no longer using any of the um, drugs that he was using before uh, before he had his uh, implant. And so that kind of leads to uh, the next steps, which are the, the more widespread clinical trials to bring this as uh, a widely available therapy. Absolutely incredible and so cool that it's going to clinical trials. Thank Congrats you so much. on that. Um, can you describe some of the techniques and equipment that you used uh, in your preclinical model with the RAT um, to kind of develop this closed loop system? Yeah, we used we used a lot of techniques. This this uh, paper is very uh, rich. Um, it has four main text figures, but for the listeners, I would encourage everyone that's interested in the work to scroll past the references and methods and take a look at ten supplementary figures that are are very dense with data. So we performed a lot of experiments. We used some wireless telemeters and uh, sympathetic nerve activity recording systems from Gauha Sciences. We'd combine these with actually a new computational pipeline that we developed that records this data at high frequency rates on a heartbeat by beat basis. And then we use some bioinformatics tools and dimensionality reduction techniques combined with clustering. And that automatically analyzed the data for us and allowed us to detect as blood pressure, hemodynamics were becoming more abnormal over time after spinal cord injury. And we did this for weeks after injury on a 24-7 basis. So it was, it was probably, I think it was the first time this was ever done. And then especially combined with the computational analysis. And then we also used those tools, the uh, sympathetic nerve activity recordings and the wireless telemeters combined with optogenetic manipulations of the sympathetic nervous system with, with specific intent to understand how manipulation of you know, brain structures, we call them supraspinal structures, um, were controlling descending sympathetic control of blood pressure. Those, those are some of the key tools that we use. We also used... an array of uh, highly specific virus-based neuron tracing. Incredible. Uh, And massive amounts of data, I'm sure. Um, So can you just hit one of the most surprising things about the study for you and uh, and about the results? Yeah. I actually wouldn't say too much was surprising. It was really terrific that we had revealed kind of this like new therapy for something that didn't really have uh, an effective therapeutic intervention previously. And as I mentioned earlier, I, as I reflect on the work, I just find it incredible that we revealed a new topographic map of the spinal cord for blood pressure. We've all seen kind of the topography of the motor cortex and there's highly specific regions for different functions in the brain, you know, hands, arms, legs, et cetera. And to see that there's one for blood pressure in the spinal cord was incredible for us. We had suspected it, but to really show it so clearly was uh, amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Kind of bringing together your neuroscience, your cardiovascular, and all just tied up in a nice, neat bow with some anatomy. That's pretty cool. Um, So these results obviously have a massive impact on what you're doing in the future. Um, How do you think that these results will impact your, your whole field of research? 
just thinking here, you know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's clear and I kind of mentioned it earlier how these findings are going to impact um, my line of work. Um, we're continuing to work with, with our technology. Um, we're continuing to have a very uh, successful collaboration with uh, Dr. Cortine and, and his group. Um, working on developing the next generation of, of what we're calling now the, the neural prosthetic barrel reflex and, you know, bringing this to the community. In terms of how it will affect the field of research, I, th- I hope in a few ways, I hope that the new model of orthostatic hypotension is helpful to some labs. I think it will be. I think it will be helpful to help to understand orthostatic hypotension in preclinical models and really get at the mechanisms. I think that some of the computational tools that we're going to be releasing open access to the public um, for helping to analyze their data, I hope that those are useful to the field. And we're really excited to be working with a very innovative company called Onward Medical that's really helping us uh, engineer this technology for our clinical trials to really bring it to the community, which fundamentally is, is our overall goal. Yeah, I think those are probably two of the main ways that I, that I hope are helpful to people. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so after all of this, what comes next? You mentioned a clinical trial, but even beyond that, do you have plans to do more studies in the preclinical area for this device? Um, do you have plans to kind of implant this device going forward and do a little bit more research with it? So we're, we are digging in deeply right now into understanding the uh, long-term neuroanatomical and cardiovascular effects of our therapy. Um, you know, obviously I can't talk about it too much, but it's pretty astounding um, what's taking place. Um, and we're continuing to use the, the most cutting edge computational biology, um, tracing tools, special strains of animals that have very unique features to help us understand the mechanisms in detail. Um, and that's really what we're digging into on the preclinical side. And we're always looking for um, strong new trainees to come uh, learn with our team and, and help develop these. There's a great plug. If you're looking to further your research career, sign up to do a postdoc or a PhD in Aaron's lab. Absolutely. University of Calgary. It's a beautiful city. Absolutely. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time and your insights. Um, it really was a pleasure to have you with us and it's such a cool project that you're working on. It was it was great to hear about. Thanks again so much, Sarah, for uh, for the invitation. It was a real pleasure to speak to you today. enjoyed this episode of Real Science and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their life, their work, and share insights into what it's like to be doing real science. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>